just because it's a supplement um, and it's available over the counter and it's natural, it doesn't always mean that it's safe and it doesn't interact with your medications. There is a lot of known drug interactions between supplements, medications on the market that can cause drug interactions. So just because it's labeled safe does not always mean that it might not interact with something that you're currently taking. Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Deon Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today. We've been friends for a while. We've talked for a while. This is the first time on the show. Um, I have Jessica Beal Stahl, uh, pharmacist, passionate about community pharmacy and patient uh, patient care. Uh, also, you do a lot with athletes too. So I want to talk about that as well. Jess, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So before we get into the topic at hand, uh, how about you tell the people who don't know you a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Yeah. So my name is Jessica Beal. I'm not the actress. Sorry, not married to Justin Timberlake, but um, I'm a community pharmacist. I have been one for the last 13 years here in Florida. I live on the Space Coast, right where they launch everything. So that's cool out of my back door. But um, I've also been a lifelong athlete. I was a division one volleyball player. I'm actually a current Olympic weightlifting um, world record holder in the snatch for my age group. Um, So I still compete heavily and heavily in um, weightlifting. Um, But I really enjoy educating the community or my patients or clients about health. I feel like there's so many things that are so many basic foundations that are often overlooked and underappreciated. Um, from nutrition to mindset work to sleep um, to understanding really like recovery and resting and daily movement and breathing, stuff like that. And really spending the time on those foundation points, um, both in my patients and my community pharmacy. But I also found that um, being an athlete, it was stuff I missed when I was younger and I wish I had learned earlier. So um, getting to work with high school and collegiate athletes, even some high level athletes in Olympic weightlifting uh, on their mindset, optimizing nutrition, optimizing rest and recovery um, really is stuff that I love to dive into with people and really help them. Yeah. And also supplementation. And supplements. Yes. So that's yes. When, when we were discussing what we were going to talk about and you brought that up as something that you enjoy, um, I kind of lit up a little bit because this is a question that I get a lot from patients that I work with that are so confused about supplements. They may be, they may hear about a supplement that um, from a friend that said it was really good and they Google it and they see all these other supplements and they don't know what's a good one, what's a bad one. Um, and there's just so much around the supplement industry that it can be confusing for some people. So when it's overwhelming, it's <laughs> for even overwhelming. for as a healthcare providers, yes. 
Yeah. So like what's when when we think about supplementing, what should someone uh look for? What should they be thinking about when they think supplementation? Yeah. So it's the 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 amount of people that take supplements in general is staggering. I, they say over half to three quarters of the American population actually uses supplements. It is, I don't even know the number before the word billion dollar industry mm. in the US alone of supplements. And I feel like you can be overwhelmed because it's everything from sports figures and influencers to your neighbor who might be doing marketing, multi-level marketing to quality supplements that are on the shelf um, to your doctor recommending something to a pharmacist. And I mean, as a healthcare provider, I get inundated with people trying to sell stuff. So I can only imagine and being a consumer trying to weed through what does this all mean? So um, some of the like things that I think about for supplementation, I'm definitely probably walk the middle line of supplementation. I feel like there's two two sides and then there's a middle. Um, one side is that there's no supplement. You don't need supplements that you can get everything from your food. Um, and you just need to eat whole foods, which I truly believe that, but the quality obviously of our foods have kind of gone down, um, with vitamins and minerals. So there is some need for supplementation. And then there's the other side of the pendulum, I guess, which are people believe that they can out supplement anything. So they can out supplement sleep. They can out supplement a bad diet. They can out supplement not exercising. And I feel like I fall in the middle of there's pros and cons to, to supplementation. Obviously some of the things is you can pros would be disease prevention. Um, there are certain things that you can prevent by taking supplements. The one I think of most commonly is like birth defects. You see um, women that are pregnant taking folic acid, um, is one of the most common one examples I give of that, um, nutrient deficiencies, um, or corrections. So there may be, you've had GI surgery, um, and you're not absorbing stuff as well. You may have a, like a genomic deficiency mm -hmm. and you're not, um, converting vitamins as you're supposed to, um, you may have abnormalities. You may have like anemias. There are different things like deficiencies that you may have. And then there's also deficiencies caused by medications. So a lot of medications can lead to malabsorption or you don't convert, um, or your enzymes don't work like they're supposed to because of the, um, the way the medicine works. So there is some, um, nutrient deficiencies caused by a lot of medications. And then the last pro I find is that there are reasons to take supplements to help um, optimize. So that would be optimizing, maybe building muscles, um, recovering quicker or improving like sleep or using them for short-term, like preventing, um, bacteria overgrowth after antibiotics. And then you come to the other side, which I feel like is the, the bigger one is going to be like the cons of some of the supplementation. And the biggest thing I kind of talk to patients about and really encourage people to be a very, um, educated consumer would be that, one, and a lot of people, this is shocking, is that um, supplements are not regulated by the FDA. Um, mm -hmm. So they are treated as a food and you can put a supplement on the market. You can label it almost any way you want with whatever you say is in there. And there is no one going to come and validate that um, unless there becomes multiple reports reported to the FDA. So um that's another case of ethics in the middle of that one. But right. um, some some supplement companies, you know, they may say it has one gram and it really has 
750 milligrams or less than labeled or more than labeled, but there is no regulation into what's in them and what, how the labeling is. So that is probably my number one thing about patients is making sure we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit about Mm -hmm. making sure how your, your supplements regulated. There's a risk of like over supplementation. Some patients, again, on the far side of the pendulum, taking too many supplements and not really reading the labels that you might have, um, duplicating ingredients or taking more than your recommended daily amount. Again, that kind of goes with like toxicity. Um, just again, taking too much, you might not realize that you have vitamin A and five different supplements, your multivitamin and, and something for your joints or stuff like that. So there's always like a toxicity right. risk. And the biggest other thing that I talk to patients about is that just because it's a supplement um, and it's available over the counter and it's natural it doesn't always mean that it's safe and it doesn't interact with your medications. There is a lot of known drug interactions between supplements, medications on the market that can cause drug interactions. So just because it's labeled safe does not always mean that it might not interact with something that you're currently taking. Right. And that's, and that's where it's important for them to bring that supplement. I feel like maybe to their pharmacist so they can know, okay, these are the medications I'm on. This is what I would like to take. What do you think? And the pharmacist can go through and say, yeah, okay. Or, eh, cause you know, you're taking this and it, it might not, might not do well. Oh yeah. I really, I do recommend all of our patients before they start supplements to bring them in. Um, so that we can look at them and talk about what, what, what's in them. Like, Mm -hmm. is it really, is it really what you need? Is it more than you need? Is it not enough? Um, and what medications are you taking, um, to make sure there is no drug interactions with, um, the biggest one I usually see is there's a lot of things that increase the risk of bleeding. And if patients are on blood thinners, um, Mm -hmm. that they don't realize the interaction, that's probably the number one like the scary ones that I see. Right. Right. So with all of that, you know, what, what are some good supplements that can, can assist somebody with, you know, a healthier way of living? Yeah. So again, I fall in the middle. So I really do believe that there are supplements that people can take. And I'd say if I, if we're going to kind of go through it, my ones that I, I will just go with what I kind of recommend the most. And I have people kind of talk or ask the most questions about. So one is just daily supplements. So that's usually a multivitamin, um, a high quality multivitamin. Um, most patients I find need vitamin D supplementation. Um, and then, uh, I kind of get into a little nuances of who the patient is. So you, if it's a postmenopausal woman, I usually recommend calcium with the vitamin D. Um, I'm really a big fan of magnesium. Uh, I feel like they say that about 60% of our population is deficient in magnesium. Um, so magnesium is really great for like relaxing, for sleep, um, for rest. Um, it's found in depression, low levels in depression. So I really like magnesium for most patients. Um, and then I kind of get into probiotics kind of go down the line of next and, uh, omega threes. Um, so anti-inflammatories to try and get the inflammation down are probably my most common, like recommended ones. Um, and then I'd say we go into sleep is number one, (laughs) how it can help me with sleep. Um, and, um, things to help balance blood sugar or weight control and then joints and inflammation. So, those we, I start kind of going, diving into with a little more questions about, um, you know, 
melatonin is probably the number one thing most people think of when you think of sleep, but there's a lot of other options out there. There's um, GABA, L-theanine, and again, magnesium are probably three of my favorites I like to recommend outside of just melatonin. For some people, melatonin causes um, like kind of vivid or wicked dreams. And um, so kind of figure out some other options with that. Um, The blood sugar, I get a lot of patients with weight weight control, diabetes, things like that. Um, obviously don't recommend starting supplements. If you are diabetic, make sure you talk to your doctor or your healthcare provider before you stop any medications or start medications, um, because there are risks of dropping low blood sugars. So, um, some of those, I kind of go with like berberine inositol, and again, magnesium are probably my three most common ones I recommend, um, in that category. And then we get into joints which is usually your omega-3s, um, a lot of turmeric and, cumer, uh, and cumin, sorry, curcumin, if I could speak. It's um, C- <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> CBD oil and collagen, um, along with like your, your standard glucosamine convertin and MSN are probably where I start with those recommendations. So a lot of options. Um, a lot is no, by no means do I tell anyone to take all of that, right. um, but it is, um, I feel like it is something that is helpful to have a discussion with a healthcare provider um, and figure out what are your goals, what's going on, and where do we start and not try and tackle everything at once. That there may be one or two supplements that can help you get over a hump if it's like for sleep, if it's just trying to get back in a northern normal pattern of sleep. Um, you may not need sleep supplements for the rest of your life. It may just be until you can get your body regulated and then you can move on and may not need them again and then tackle your next, um, goal in your like wellness journey. Yeah. So like one thing that I've, I've noticed Jess is when I may be, I may have somebody in my office that will ask me about a protein supplement, supplement, right. Yeah. Or, you know, protein powder, but they don't think of it as a supplement is more of a replacement. Like Correct. there's that for some reason people see, and I only see it with protein really. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people see protein as a, like you said, a replacement a or replacement. a food. Yeah. yeah. Not as a, not as like a supplement or that they're what could be, or what else is in it. It's, oh, it's just protein powder is kind of the reaction I get most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how, how do we get people to really think of supplements as it's, it's in its name? It's, you know, like it's in its, it's, it's a just, supplement. It's a yeah. supplement. <laughs> but for some reason that, that doesn't really, for some, not, not all, it's a lot of education yeah. on what, what that means, but you know, why do you feel like specifically with the protein that it is looked at as a replacement and not not a supplement to add to, not take away. I feel like it's kind of just the way it's been marketed for so many people. They're like, oh, yeah. this is this is to replace your food. This is like, I feel like the marketing and the way maybe over like society in general has done a great, not mm-hmm. great a job of educating on people really truly understanding the value of whole foods. And um, they feel like sometimes... I feel like people think that it's a quick fix. They're like, oh, well, I'm just busy. I'll just grab a protein shake. It's still not the value that you get or right. the fullness or the cravings that you get to, to fulfill that by eating a protein shake. I feel like people are like, they just kind of like blow it off. Like, yeah, it, it's my meal. And it's really not always a meal. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. 
there you need other things with it and you don't get all the value but i just feel like we it's just people think it's just quick and easy and it's it's just that it's yeah, just a protein shake pounds in a yeah week, you know what i mean by just eating a protein shake every day <laughs> yeah couldn't do it it couldn't do it so yeah. we have all these different supplements jess and um, that are great that, that you just kind of talked about, but as we know, there are probably hundreds of companies that are putting out these same supplements. Uh, so what should people look for in a good supplement? What are those, what are those key things they should be looking for? So my number one thing that I always tell patients, and this is, um, is to, you want to do your research. And like I said, be an educated consumer when you're doing this. Um, the first thing we look at is going to be the manufacturer, like who's making it and what quality of product are they making? So there are some um, certifications out there you can look for. Um, CGMP um, certified, NSF certified, meaning it's safe for athletes that may be um, undergoing drug testing for sports. Um, And then USP certified are going to be some, if you see that seal on there, that means that they have gone above and beyond to meet higher standards. Um, so that is one thing I will tell you they're not all the wholesalers or manufacturers that I recommend have that seal. Um, a lot of them do, but not all of them. So the next thing, if they don't have the seal that I would look for is that they send their products off for third party testing. What this means is that they send it to somebody outside of their organization for that group who is not affiliated with them to validate that it contains the products that it says and the amount that it says, and it doesn't contain anything other than what's on the label there. We was, I was reading this the other day. It was like, they tested like melatonin and, um, to see how much was in the products. Like they took this sampling of all these products on the market and they said 71% of them did not have within 10% of what they labeled on there. I was shocked. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you really do have to do your research after you determine that it's a good manufacturer. And a lot of times once I find a good manufacturer, I stay with their products um, because I validated that that company does a great job in their, in their product. Yeah. So I usually can stay within the same line. Like I don't have to do my research for every one of their products often. Um, The next thing I want to do is look and make sure that the dosage of what they're recommending is going to fit for my needs. So what that means is basically, is there enough of the product to get the desired effect that you wanted? So if it was, we'll go with melatonin since we were just talking about it. If it contains melatonin, making sure that it has somewhere between one to 10 milligrams is normally the dosage range, but making sure that it has somewhere in that dosage, it can say melatonin on it and be in a, like a proprietary blend and have 0.1 milligram, which is way less than the desired effect dose. So you may it's, even though it contains it, it may not have enough. So making sure it has the right dosages, um, that, um, I'm trying to think serving sizes, how many capsules you may have to take to get that dose. So sometimes if you're looking on the back, it may be like six or eight capsules. So kind of looking into that. And then is there any evidence that that actually is going to help? So this is where I said, educated consumer, doing your research, kind of looking into studies, talking to your providers, um, talking to people that are in the industry that really understand, is this going to help me? Is there true studies that show that it does um, yield the effect that you're looking for is kind of where I 
start. I know it's a lot to, to look at for just a supplement, but I feel like it's your health and there's nobody else looking at it for you. Right. But I feel like once you go through all of that and you find, you find that company that just makes it easier for you. Yeah. 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 Like I'm pretty like brain. It's kind of like, you know, are you a shoe person? You know how like, you're like, okay, like I'm a Nike (laughs) person or a new balance person. And like, once I get a Nike, I'm like, I love these shoes. And like, I don't switch for my brand. And so I feel like I'm kind of like that with supplements. Like I have my like, handful of brands that I like. And, uh, I've done my research on the manufacturer. I've talked to them or the company and, um, got some data. You can, you can always call customer service and ask for your third-party testing of the lot that you may be interested in buying or the product. You can talk to them and ask them to send you the studies that they have. Um, I always kind of encourage patients, if you do look at studies, I know you may not have the degree, the science degree to understand it, but make sure they're larger populations than like five or 10 people. A lot of times they'll do some studies and say, this was highly effective. And they did a study on like 10 people. And I'm like, yeah, that, that can't be expanded to the whole country. So um, <laughs> it's, it, it is a little bit of like doing some research, but like I said, once you find a good company, um, you can usually go with their product line. Right. That's, that, that's good information. Yeah. So, you know, I know you do, um, I you know you have a, a passion for working with athletes. Yeah. So can you talk to me about a little bit more about what you do with athletes? You know, what, what, um, what are your dreams with that? And, uh, how do you work with them as far as even with their, their supplement recommendations? Like how, how, how is that? Yeah. So, um, I've worked with weightlifters and volleyball players has kind of been my wheelhouse of patients, but that's also where my background lies. Mm. Um, and some football players, um, my family's a football family. So, um, but it, that's kind of where I've lied in. Um, so a lot of it has been dialing in, just kind of sitting down and going through a full, I call it like investigation with the patient, with the client, um, and figuring out what really what's going on, how, what are their current habits and everything? How is their sleep? How are they recovering? How are they feeling? Um, honestly, a lot of it is looking into how are they, what are they eating and how much are they eating? My younger female athletes are notoriously under eating consistently, mm. especially in proteins and carbs and fats, they're actually under eating on everything <laughs> and trying to get the narrative of why, why you need these to fuel your body. How will your body feel if you are properly fueled? So some of it is just working with that. Um, a lot of it is working with athletes and mindset. Um, a lot of like visualization, um, breathing techniques. I really like, um, to try and learn to control emotions. I feel like a lot of it kind of goes into what you need as an adult, (laughs) like how to visualize dreams, how to control emotions when, you know, somebody like cuts you off, you're like, okay, breathe. And and then um, I would say the next step we do is usually after we optimize food um, and kind of working on some mindset throughout the whole thing is uh, really looking at sleep. I I feel like sleep is so underrated and often overlooked that the importance and value of not only quantity of sleep, but quality of sleep and how you're actually feeling. Um, I've kind of geeked out a little bit with uh, using like wearables, um, trying to get some data out of that, um, looking at like HRV and heart rate and playing with some of that. We've also um, had a few uh, clients get uh, like the continuous glucose monitors yeah. And see, that's been really eye-opening for athletes. CGMs are, yeah. 
love it. Love it. And it doesn't, you don't really have to wear them. I, at least I find with my athletes, I don't have to wear, have them worn all the time. Um, it's usually two weeks is a good test period to give us an idea of what's actually going on with like current diet training and everything to give us an idea and then do some adjustments stay with a new stable, um, foundation and then retest in a few months. Um, so it really, I feel like the science behind like wearables and CGMs is really going to help optimize a lot of athletes. And even, I feel like everybody has like an athlete somewhere in them. Um, it may be dancing. It may be non-traditional, like not inside a gym, which is totally cool. Um, rock climbing, any of that, but I feel like those things gave you so much feedback on habits that you're doing and how you're feeling that you may not realize. Like I know my, I wear an aura ring and I think it's pretty cool to show like how my recovering and how much impacts, like it, it taught me how much stress in a pharmacy, um, and stress on training. Like they both, my body responds the same. It doesn't know the difference. So trying to really like, like my high school athletes, my college athletes who are coming, um, like out of college into like the workforce for the first time, like having them really understand the, um, the stress of life of being an adult, um, also plays a role in your recovery and how you feel. And you may not think like, yes, I stood on my feet for eight hours, but that still takes a, it wears on your body or your high stress all day in a pharmacy or whatever your career is that that still impacts your body in a way that, it's not training, but it still is a negative impact. And you need to, to counteract that with some, some love and some positive rest. Right. Right. And, but if you don't know that, you know, you just go about your day thinking this is just, I feel like we get used to the stress. We get all oh, this. It's just work, you know, or it's, this is yeah. how it is. And we don't, we don't take action on, on those things. No, I think people just count Like, it's just, like you said, it's just how it is. Oh, it's just work stress. But Mm -hmm. like your body doesn't know the difference, like your body, like, I think there's a book with it. Your body keeps the score and it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it really does. It's like, okay, you know, you've done this, this, and this, like I need my time to, whether that is yoga, meditation, going for a walk, you know, whatever that looks like for you and everyone's different. Like Mm -hmm. you show your body some love back (laughs) because it it does a lot for you. (laughs) (laughs) right right so let's um i would love to talk about you know your your work just as you know being a doctor in pharmacy you know i know over the past couple years um we had this thing i don't know if you've heard about it but it was called the pandemic the uh coronavirus it was real out here missed that one yeah it was real okay (laughs) i mean i did live in florida so (laughs) could have just went by how is the (laughs) How has that affected your, your work as a pharmacist? Um, and, you know, how do you feel that what can pharmacy really do to continue to show everything that you can do? You know what I mean? I feel like pharmacy was out there, you know, pandemic, we need pharmacists and, you know, whatever. But do you feel like it has kind of put a chokehold on everything you can do? Like, what has that been like? pharmacy during this time it has it has transformed pharmacy completely so one i feel like positive for sure it highlighted the importance of a pharmacist in your role um 
we obviously pharmacists were on the front line giving vaccines and that was the big push for pharmacy, which it positive. We gave a lot of vaccines um, negative. I feel like it took away from quality time with patients. Um, good things is I feel like it opened up a lot, at least in like my community pharmacy, it opened up a lot of conversations with patients about what can I do to be healthier? Um, this for once, it actually had patients coming in. What changes can I make to help me be healthier if I was to get COVID um, or whatever? Um, so I had a lot of patients coming in asking, you know, what lifestyle changes can I make? What's What can I do? So that was super impressive and really nice to see. And um, we were thankfully in a position where we were able to spend time with our patients and really work on small goals mm -hmm. um, over the pandemic. And there's been some really high quality changes. Um, it has also highlighted, I feel like, and this is a, I think an ongoing issue, an ongoing topic, I guess this topic is the right word, uh, about should pharmacists be able to prescribe um, they left the pharmacy pharmacist out of the um, prescribing of the COVID antib antibodies, um, sorry, mm -hmm. COVID oral treatments and said that there might be too many drug interactions for us to notice. Um, so um, it really highlighted that pharmacists should be in this position to prescribe um, at least point of care uh, oral COVID thing over oral COVID treatments, maybe even flu um, pneumonia, but those simple treatments that require just a test, a positive, and then have a protocol um, and guidelines to meet um, to prescribe and get patients taken care of without having them get tested, go to their, find their doctor's office, get into their doctor's office, get tested again, come back the next day or two days later, um, and just delay treatment further. So that's been, I think, probably a positive that's come out is highlighting that pharmacists can do a lot. Um, right. it's just, we need to be given a little more, uh, push from the government because pharmacists are actually not seen as healthcare providers according to Medicare. So really, no, no, we are not, um, we are not listed as a healthcare provider, so we can't bill for any type of services. That <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my mind around. That. No, no, wow. I can't bill for like. I, if I was to bill for like a, say like a diabetes education, I would have to bill it underneath like a physician or a diabetes educator or a nurse practitioner or a PA or somebody else. But we have MPI numbers, but we are not allowed to bill for our services. Huh. I, I feel like, you know what? I feel like I've kind of <laughs> seen this conversation from... Yes. I know you, I feel like I've seen things on, on LinkedIn from a lot of my pharmacy uh, friends and people that I know, but I just didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't connect. Right. That little piece wasn't right yeah. there. It was like, yeah. oh, let's go. I'm with you guys. And I just scrolled. But then you see, I'm like, wait a minute. This whole time I'm thinking, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's like the big, like pharmacists. Uh, they're trying to get pharmacists recognized as healthcare providers so that we can bill for all of our services. But right now, if I was to educate, like sit down and do, um, at, put a patient, a CGM on a patient, for instance, I can't bill for my time or my education or even managing like a chronic care patient. Um, I can't even do that. I would have to 
do it under protocol with a physician um, and bill through their office and then get paid through them. But yeah, we can't bill. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't trying to start no stuff, but man, that is, that is stupid. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Can, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of all of that, <laughs> you're still doing great work and you, you're, you're doing all the things you have to do. So, you know, Jess, again, thank you so much for being on with me today. Anybody that is listening that wants to get to know you a little bit more, learn about your your services um, and just connect with you, where can they find you? So I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So yes, I'll, I'll post this. all those below yeah. in, the, in the in the description. Jeez Louise. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Jess, this was great. I'm glad we were finally able to, to do this. Um, Me too. Hopefully it's not the last time we could do some more. You know what I mean? I'd love to. Yeah. Yes. Because I feel like there's, there's so many things just outside of the supplementation, the pharmacy stuff that you, that we can talk about. So it's really, really fun. Yeah. I would love to like, let's do a topic. Let's do it again. Awesome. Well, Hey, again, thank you so much. Uh, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the healthy project podcast. I'll let you next time.